Alright, I know what you're thinking. You said that... I know. I know I said that the last episode was going to be the last lecture. But I feel like I shouldn't do that. I feel like I just need to do what I want to do. I shouldn't, like, cut things short. Because I always have something to say at random moments. And I and I want to speak it. I want to, like, speak it out. I don't want to keep it in me. Pause. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, today... Um, I want to talk about, like, um, reincarnation. Uh, because this is one of the most satisfying applications, you know, of the sense that space, you know, space constitutes, um, you know, something significant. Um... Now, the subject of reincarnation is one around which is ringed an incredible amount of hocus-pocus. And yet, there's something in it. And there seems to be something in it, not mainly because uh, there's a lot of alleged evidence for it in a form of stories of children who remember their former lives and so on. Uh, <clears throat> I want to approach the subject much in a way that um, other physicist does because you know they have a view of this you know that does not involve any hocus pocus at all i don't know how to pronounce it i don't know if it's psychicist or psychicist um i think it's spelled ph uh not phi physicist Physicist, psychicist, I don't know. But, you know, it is perfectly simple. Um, and all the evidence for it is already before us. So it involves no claim to special inside psychic knowledge. Um, the merely, you know, the grasping of principle that um, is staring us in the face. And this principle... <clears throat> is difficult to understand not because there's like any inherent intellectual complexity to it but simply because it requires you know getting across something that's just unfamiliar damn Get off. clog nose <clears throat> there's obviously some like some sort of analogy you know which i've already drawn your attention to between space and unconsciousness in one of the other episodes um you know between stars there's darkness uh between stars there's not the energy which you know constitutes um a so-called body in a in in some modern physical theory um that is purely hypothetical not really tested bodies in space um they're thought of as points at which space is intestified but at any rate there's you know there are these gaps um these intervals and obviously the unconscious state must appear always to the conscious state you know as a as a gap or an interval so when we go to sleep at night we wake up in the morning almost like instantly um you know because in other words they're always it always appears to have like happened nothing except something quite vague between going on to sleep and
you know, waking up. You know, unless you had dreams. Um, and so you can conceive or barely conceive going to sleep and not waking up. Or the reverse of it, you know, waking up without even having gone to sleep. <coughs> Which, like, appears to be the nearest we can imagine, you know, to death and birth, respectfully. Um, you know, to go to sleep and never wake up when we die. When we were born, to wake up. But not to remember ever having gone to sleep, of course, this bugs our imagination. I need water. I don't have water. No. <clears throat> but like I was saying, because it's a, it's an inconceivable in terms of consciousness. Um, you know, people are afraid, some people are afraid of the possibilities of eternal annihilation. And I suppose one of the most, like, elegant expressions of that is John Bencham's poem before the and aesthetic where uh, he would prefer rather even the the small hells than that his you know you know this this eye should cease to be in uh, other people you know perhaps of you know of a more rational bent So, you know, say, well, it's, you know, that's no problem because you simply cease to be, you know, there's nobody to be disturbed by it. You can't experience not being there forever. <clears throat> you know, and what most people do is they project upon the perspective of annihilation. the imagination of being shut up in a dark prison and as it were a super sensory deprivation chamber you know forever but of course uh there is no the like the notion of eternal annihilation really has no meaning it is an attempt to conceive uh, nothingness, non-experience. And, you know, so far as our imaginations are concerned, nature abhors a vacuum. You know, we have to project something into that because psychologically, you know, as as well as logically hold on let me turn on the fan um it is a void however you see just as we've been you know discussing the notion that all creatures whatsoever you know not not to mention all people feel themselves in the middle they feel central to their experience and being central to experience is the nearest thing i can you know conceive at you know as a meaning for the word um not an ego because that is a social structure a social institution uh which has been like kind of implanted upon our psychological behavior um Pasha, we say you know experience because experience is a thing that we are taught you know that we are taught what we um what we permit um, what experiences are permissible and what are not. Um, just in the same way as we are taught, you know, what speech is permissible and what is not. You know, what gestures are permissible, what actions are permissible and not, you know. So our experience is trained and we are trained to experience ourselves as like egos. But still, underneath the implantation of the ego experience 
there's this sensation of like centrality um you may feel you know that your center is isolated as in the ego thing or you may feel that your center is simply the center of a of a being which is which extends to the ultimate limits but Like I was saying, but in every case, there is a sense of centrality in every being that exists, and therefore every being is a um is I just as you are, and they're always eyes. In this sense, um, so long as the planet endures and there are living creatures on it, this planet is a planet which eyes. And so long as there is a, a possibility that anywhere in the galaxies there should be such a planet or creatures who have a who focus the centrality feeling of the universe, you know there is. I and that I is always you. We know that when people die, other people are born after them, and you know that is all the evidence we need for the notion of reincarnation. All it could be explained in in various ways, you know, uh, discussed in various ways and elaborated, but fundamentally, people die, and then people are born. And that is the only simplest way of saying it, because people are born while others are living. And the whole collection of eye centers can sit around in a ring in this room. And I would explain according to my feeling that we are all a cycle of reincarnation sitting around here in a circle. Because reincarnation is a reincarnation of uh, I. Uh, you know, if you want it to be the reincarnation of a particular I, then you have to do something else, you know, altogether, which we shall all go on the talking about, you know. But one thing seems to me to be perfectly clear. There was a time when your I woke up you know, and emerge from the biological continuum of what the shower down calls the biosphere of this planet. And you don't remember having been here before, at least not in an ordinary way. Um, that is uh, surprising. And as in inconceivable, you know, an event as it seems to be, um, without any 
apparent prospect of being again. But, you know, you see, after this week called life, you, you, you know, if you go back to unconsciousness, you go back to where you were before you started. And uh, since there can't be any experience of non-experience, obviously, uh, any next eye that comes up and all in fact, you know, next eyes that come up are you, only since I is an experience of centrality. You know, you don't experience yourself. You don't experience centrality yourself as multi-centered. You experience yourself as a particular sensor. Because <clears throat> the universe, although it is multi-centered, each center is experienced uniquely. So what you might roughly expect is that, that after you die, uh, the next thing you know is that uh, you are without the slightest memory of whatever happened before you repeat the same sort of experience you had when you were, you know, born. Um, was it somebody else being born there? It has to be like someone around. I'm merely saying that the experience of being I goes on. You know, even if there's an interval of uh, several billion years, you know, makes no difference whatsoever in uh, supposing it took, you know, you know, the human race was like wiped off the planet and it took that much time for it to uh, reappear or any living creature that, you know, would make a difference, you know, wouldn't make a difference to this phenomenon. So le let me repeat since there's no possibility of a non-experience. Um... There are always experiences coming up and each one of them is you because that's it you know it's i that's its i you know now i know there's a difficulty in this because you know it arises from the fact that we identify i with ego and ego apart from ego is a memory system you know who you are in the sense that you remember who you are you you know who you identify yourself as with a series of events that you remember
Um, and these are like a strung out um, in a line. They're like a certain tune. And therefore you identify yourself with that tune. So we repeat ourselves, have we? Um, we have consistent characters just in the same way as a tune uh, is always constructed to repeat itself in a certain way with uh, variations so that we recognize uh, the tune and the name of the piece by hearing even one part of it. I was trying to hit my finger. Fuck. So here's the tune you see that is being played and it is attached to a, a center called I. Only the I is much more than this particular tune because this particular series of memories, even though, you know, we are persuaded and kind of hoaxed into identifying the whole I with that same series of memories. But, you know, supposing somebody plays a, uh, an instrument and then he stops. Then later, later on, someone else plays, um, someone else plays it. Um, is it the same tune? Why in one sense? Yes. You know, in other sense, no. So it is possible. Um, it's possible, isn't it? That like, even though your tune was wiped out because the memory system goes with death. Um, so the same sort of tune can be played again. And it's characteristic themes. And, uh, you know, that'll be in another series. Like in another sense, you <clears throat> in a more particular sense than the you of centrality. Um, in Buddhism, there there has never been an idea that rebirth or reincarnation involves a transmigration of a specific soul because all schools of Buddhism are agreed on the idea that the individual self or, you know, oneself is a soul. Like, oneself or their soul is an illusion in Maya. And they... They liken the process of rebirth to the motion of a wave across the surface of water. Actually, the motion is illusory. You know, and the water simply goes up and down because there's an optical um, impression of a wave moving out. No wave moves, and yet there is the seeming of movement. So. The Buddhism would say no soul reincarnates and yet there's an illusion of reincarnation. Uh, Buddhists think of reincarnation as an illusion and yet believe in it. You know, Westerns, uh, it Westerns, you know, think of it though, something that might be a fact and they find it difficult to believe in it. Um, Westerners adopt, you know, they adopt the idea of reincarnation as a comforting idea like Buddhists are trying to get out of. Because, um, you know, Buddhists are trying to get out of being reincarnated. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but at any rate, the Buddhist doctrine of reincarnation says that what possesses from life to life is karma is uh doing action that's what you know that's what karma means process and that's something like like wave not soul not entity that doesn't pass um you know you can look at it in another way you know there's an intuition like the university of california uh this university keeps going on and on and on and yet all the buildings change and stuff you know certainly all the students change all the you know factual you know everything changes all you know it changes all the administrative offices you know changes as, as the year goes by and stuff yeah it's still like the university of california where the university of california why it is the process of um it is doing this you know this is a pattern of behavior your body is in, you know, the same situation. There's not one scrap of you that was with you 10 years ago. It all has been like rebuilt, reorganized, completely repaired and renewed. Then who you are, you know, you are a pattern. You see, you're a, a process that identifiable and 
you know, that is identifiable and recognizable, um, you face in a certain way, you can care in a certain way. Um, you eye in a certain way, you behave in a certain way. We, so we, you know, we recognize you. But it's all inconsistent. It's like a whirlpool in water. You know, the water flows throughout the, the whirlpool, you know, and the whirlpool retains the shape until it doesn't. But then it can always whirlpool again somewhere else. So now, what we do, you know, what do we do if that's clear so far? What do we do to give any credence at all to the notion that there is some connection between some lives of a peculiar character that we could take a a life lived between the years of 1500 and 1580 and look at that then see another life lived between 1700 and 1792 and say the gods you know there's no getting away from it but that the latter is a continuation of the former now how could you do that well it's very very simply let's let's consider that we are looking at a enormous number of biographies you know scattered over a very great period of years but visualize them you've got to think of them as different colored spots you know now as you look at this great mosaic you see a you know of spots you know of all sorts of different colors you will very soon begin to pick out the patterns in it as you do with the raw sketch pot and you will see continuities running across and you will therefore have projected a uh, a re uh, our particular even personal reincarnation pattern uh, running between these different biographies it is highly conceivable that one of these blocks may at a certain point lead you into a there may be a stream of blocks that you associate as being a stream and then at a certain point they divide and these two lines proceed from them um, it could very well be, you know, you see that an individual could reincarnate as to next time or any number you want, amoeba fashion, you know, but you will see these like connections in your blobs. Hmm. I'm gonna get a little break. Yo, what's up? I'm back. <clears throat> now back to where I, I don't know if you guys got an ad or something, but if you guys did, I put it there. Just cause, you know what I mean? You never know, maybe I could buy myself a, a lollipop one day. Or something like that. Because, you know, your man needs some candy, you know? 
What if your What if your boy gets like stuck, like with his mom in a laundromat, and he doesn't have money to like distract himself with his mouth? Pause. Hold up. Not that way. Just like, you know, like a lollipop. I want to suck it. Pause on that too. Don't make it weird, guys. Come on. You guys know what I mean. <clears throat> but back to our topic. Uh, reincarnation. Uh, the connections in your blobs. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. No. Then the question arises. Is that just your idea? Or are these connections real? In order to answer that one, all we have to do is, you know, look at some sort of pattern formation that we find not in the situation that we find in Rorschach bot, but we are examining the structure of a muscle. We've sliced the muscle and are looking at it carefully with microscopes and things, you know. What do we find? You find that muscle is an enormous conglomeration of cells but that these cells have patterns in them or at any rate we notice certain uh, areas of their behavior where they seem to constitute tubes But these, what is, you know, it's the difference between the tubes one sees in a cross-section of muscles and the pictures or forms one sees in a raw sketch plot, you know. Just get down to it. Um, What is the difference? You know, just get down to what the difference is. You might say that there will be a large variation of individual opinion as to the nature of the Rorschach block pattern. Um, and a less division of opinion about how one should interpret muscle patterns, but is that alone enough to establish a significant like difference between the two situations, especially when you get down to the micro level? Where more and more, uh, you know, the molecules or cells or whatever are distant from each other. You know, there isn't, you say, it isn't really remarkable that a certain level of magnification, you know, we see this as a huge distribution of rather formless things. And we can only see what form we make when we uh, go down in magnification. And come back to approaching the normal vision that we see these vastly scattered blob blobs and globs and blobules or whatever, you know, take shape. <clears throat> and this is like an alternation of magnification and uh, anything psychological, you know, projection. It's very difficult to draw a hard and fast line between you know, making out sensible patterns in a physical world of every life on the on on the one hand and interpreting the raw sketch plot on the other, you know, seeing faces in marble, seeing cities in clouds and so on. <coughs> so then <coughs> uh we might appear as lines of continuity between various lives. You know, they could be there in a sense that there are veins and nerve lines embedded in the cell structure of muscles. But there's always that, uh, it's always quite like, it's really clear to us that there's something about the projections uh, we make of faces into marble that has a kind of allusion to it. Quite so that what Buddhists philosophy wants to draw our attention is that you know the same kind of illusion is existing in our altitude and attitude of this physical world we are projecting but of course 
creatures of like structure will make the same projections. Just as we look around here and see that we are more or less the same basic shape. And uh, therefore probably have the same sort of brains inside our heads. We are projecting a more or less similar structure upon the external world. And our agreement about that is the same thing as saying that, you know, well, that's the way it is. But you see how relative that is, you know. You see how, you know, it is, it is in relation to having a brain system of that particular kind of, um, so, you know, the Westerner may be anxious that his idea about reincarnation is something more than a fantasy. Um, the Oriental, you know, hold on. Someone's texting me. Maybe I should tell people that I'm doing this instead of texting them while I'm doing this because I got distracted. Or was I? Um, okay, reincarnation. Western. Oh, yeah. So, the you know, the Oriental, you know, the Buddhist or the Hindu very much hopes it is only a fantasy. That case can be overcome. He can be delivered from a cycle of futility and you know only you mustn't understand again you mustn't understand that you that to literally you know if you want to know what buddhists really teach on this matter put in a very simple way you get a book by alexandre david uh, i think is i still don't understand because like I'm at like I'm gonna make up a random name. Um Bob Ortiz Gonzalez. I mean the last name I don't know why some people put the last name in the middle of the full name. Like if his name is Billy Ortiz, then you put the middle name, they just put it as Billy Ortiz Gonzalez. Like Gonzalez would supposedly be the last name but they still do that i don't get it i really don't get it it's, it's kind of confusing but anyways um alexandre david nail there you go this confuses me though it, it really confuses me good because like i don't know if david is his last name or if Nail is his last name. Anyway, but you know, he made a book called The Secret Oral Teachings. Um, um you know, you know, difficult to get hold of. It's hard to find it, but somebody in this country is going to publish it and you know, it is published in India. But I think Lawrence Felangetti um is going to be published. It's going yeah, it's going to publish it. You know what I mean? Um, City Light Francisco that book you know really goes into this and I called it I call it you know the I told you so book because I've often been accused of inventing my own unique brand of Buddhism and voicing it off on the public as being the real thing and a lot of people told me that and I just have to appoint them this book so you see Alexander David Nail that you know that's French 
David hyphen in double, E I David Neil. Um, let's say David Neil. Or Neil. See now. That's the thing, cause like they change. Like it's some sometimes it's spelled differently, but then it's spelled differently and it confuses me. Cause I don't know if it's pronounced the same way. And I'm like, how the fuck does this say Neil? How the fuck does this dude, this dude's last name or middle name whatsoever, have different spelled last names or middle names, but it's pronounced the same? Like so many words in, in the English subject have many words that have the same pronunciation, but they're completely different spelling and they just have completely different meanings to it. It's just, it's just really confusing. That doesn't really come up to like um, name signatures, but it's like, you know, it's still the same idea. They could be spelled the same way as in English, as in French, but pronounce, like, but pronounce, no, did I say it wrong? I don't know what I said. I said, no, I meant to say, I don't know if I said it wrong, but I'm gonna say it again. Uh, it's spelled the same. No, it's spelled differently, but it's pronounced the same. So in French, it's spelled N-E-I-L, and in English, it's spelled N-A-I-L, but it's pronounced the same way, so it confuses me. But what's interesting in this is that you will pick out the lines of continuity between lives upon what basis. Um, Watch this in the same way as you pick out continuity between tones. (coughs) By the way, they... By the way, they interval to each other. In which case, you know, the interval... Off the interval becomes a significant connecting factor between on... The on intervals that, you know... That's what you that's what you do when you look at patterns and of blobs on a wall. You could play the role you could play with like Roland Hall's painting that way. And see all sorts of things in them and it depends what intervals you find significant that connects what you call the on pieces. So you always get off pieces and arm pieces. You've got a kind of mosaic look into it. Press photography with a magnifying glass and you will find a mosaic of black and white dots. You know what I mean? So you can, you can, again, you can make the significant connection. And as you do, you come out with somebody's face. And so in the, in the world, our nerves are very much like the press, you know, the press photographs. You know, when something impinges upon the retinal uh, backdrop of the eye, uh, it impinges on the the whole lot of rods. And, you know, it cones that are either on or off with the state of the neuron. You see is that it fires... Or it does it fire. So we got this press photograph thing into it. You know, if you work with LSD, this comes very clear. Um, you get a vision sometimes of the world, which is positively pointless. Like the painting of, you know, the paintings of Sarah. You know, the paintings of Sarah somehow, you know, it seems as if you ner- if your nerve endings have, like, been activated individually. <clears throat> and you become aware of the, the grainy quality and everything. Uh, this could be dismissed as a pure hallucination, but hallucinations have some basis in our uh, neural state structure. You say they may not be experience. Why do they keep texting me, bro? Anyway, 
um, experiences that are, you know, of what we call the objective world, but in any other experiment that turns your consciousness or in consciousness, your senses on your senses, you get curious things happening. Just as you might get oscillations in the electric circuitry. So, you know, it would then be intervals. Once again, that would be in the significant connecting factors in the development pattern of an individual, you know, through a series of like incarnations. But those intervals are illusions of the connection. You know, the connection is illusory, but in a sense of illusion to which we, um, we Westerners are not really, you know, accustomed because Maya means illusion in a very complex sense. It means also creative power, art, magic. Uh, calculation in the sense of the calculus, this is difficult for us to understand. You see, the notion that we, that, you know, that the world is um, Maya. Why is it difficult for us to, like, understand that? What is our feeling about saying... This is a dream of projection. What's the objection to that idea? Well, <clears throat> I think that the historic, you know, historically at the root of our Western objection to this idea is that it's discourteous to God. It's as if to say God did not really create the world that's as it says in the Bible. You know what I mean? But that only seemed to be. But, you know, you realize that this is an absolute verbal hang-up. <clears throat> it's really a question of a... Uh, it's, it's also a question of values. Um, if the world is real then I must take you seriously and you must take me seriously. If the world is only a dream, then we, you know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter. You see, if if you say it doesn't matter, then you are saying it's purely spiritual. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's immaterial, baby. see how we flip around in our use of words we say things oh that's mere matter so it doesn't matter everybody gets completely confused in the way that they think about these things because they've never really been thought about clearly these questions is it is it real or is it not real you know when an oriental says something that you know it's not real the first thing he means is it's not permanent and so the quality of change of um, the smoke like and their face says the dream like because the dream vanishes you see and so they say life is like a dream uh it keeps as you get older you're more and more aware of the speed at which things change with a child. You know, it seems to be slow, though. You know, children easily get bored. You know, as you get older, life is just going to 
especially if you live in like California where you can't keep a steady mailing list for for more than two months because every two months a quarter of the address has changed and uh you know the bulldozers come in and they change the shape of everything and knock down all the old buildings and upgrade new ones and they may they may you know they may get knocked down or they're just so jerry built that they fall apart <coughs> but there it goes you see and so there is this quality he means a uh, dream like you know the thing is a uh, constant flux uh but he also means illusion and showing the extent to which what is going on in this flux is a creation of the perceiving organism so that by illusion the oriental also means relative Um, as in uh, the relationship between the air vibrations and the ear between you know the cloud the sun and the observer these things produce rainbow sound and so on but these are relative realities and so when buddhists use the word void in sanskrit as you know designating the nature of the world this should rather be translated relatively relatively than nothingness you know the great scholar this guy's German I forgot his name is a German uh, he made a book on the Buddhist Nirvana um whatever i forgot his name but um he made a very plain in his you know in his book on a buddhist nirvana it is like rel relativity that we should think of rather than our ideas of non-being so from that point of view is also from the standpoint of quantum mechanics and modern physics the illusory um, nature of the world, it, it is very clear. It was so much that one Sisyphus was like a little draft, used to go around in the most enormous padded shoes. The fear of dropping throughout the atomic structure of the floor <laughs> so one gets this extraordinary sense that of living in this incredibly real seeming world which the more you analyze it consists mostly of a of a of space and you come to to feel it you know sh you know shall i say diaphanous quality about things that a mountain is only a faster wave and longer lasting rainbow and that is the poet said you know the hills are shadows and they flow from form to form and nothing stands if you if you experience this uh this kind of creepy feeling you get when you when you think that this is just you know that you and everything about you is just a push here and gone and swallowed up in space and why do you say swallowed up? You know? You know, people, poets. You know, a lot of people, poets, people who talk. Like swallowed by the grave, swallowed in. 
in space. You know, they disappeared into nothingness, you know, gone. Vanished. Nowhere to be seen again. Talk. Thin, thin air. Why is there a uh, objection to this? Well, one's been taught to object because you've been taught to uh, identify with the solid side of the picture and to uh, disidentify with the empty side of the picture, but you've been hoaxed and fooled because when you die you are not as it were gulped up by thinner you're just as much the thin air as anything else it's all of a piece it isn't a fight going on but everything is represented as a fight a contest between this side and that but this is really the whole thing about illusion where <clears throat> the ordinary people like sees a battle you know the enlightened person sees a cooperation between two sides you know between these two sides, have you ever tried to play chess with yourself? And honestly, take each side as you play. You know, it's move against the other one. Or, you know, to get two, uh, you know, those words, those swords they have in bars, they stick into olives and martinis. Um... You get through these words and fences with yourself and see if you really can get if you really can stick into one of your hands and have the other one defended. This is the most fascinating game. And this is the game God is playing. Sitting there. Two hands, you know. He's he's good, he's evil. Here's Jesus Christ and here's Lucifer. And uh he's got a real he's got a real he got really involved in this fight, you see. But he finds out that if he makes the right hand with um, win all the time, there's no point in the game. Um, he has to get into the left hand. But in order for that to be a real fight, he mustn't, you know, let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, vice versa. Um, he explains all this stuff in the Bible. But really, you see underneath... The, the two hands they join back here like a kind of like a horseshoe like um the snake or rubber uh which is always after his own tail and uh, an aspect of that not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing is the way we identify ourselves with what's in the um what's inside the skin and not with what's we identify ourselves um reality with like the solid things that we can see and all the rest is space and that's nothing you see we characteristically take sides in a situation where both sides are in a situation where both sides are like an aspect of the situation we would take this side you know we have this or that choose but the sage doesn't choose because he said well there's no choice. Um, you know, he might choose for the sake of going along. Um, you like, uh, somebody says, well, um, um, what would you like to do today? You know, we can go into town. Well, I said town like an accent. <laughs> but, um, you know, and do some marketing or we can stay out here and go swimming. Um, you don't care what you do, so you just say what in order to satisfy, you know, to satisfy your guest, um, your host. So, uh, then 
Behind the explicit battle, there's an implicit agreement cradled, um, be, you know, we, we agree to defer, if we want to have a sane social order, so, you know, cheer up, you know, you may well be, uh, you know, so conditioned, just like to, uh, to feel the fear of the unknown, even though, you know, much better, if you have come through in life to a point where, uh, say you have bad teeth, through aging or hardening eyes when you get awakened and you get um sattery or anything it won't make any difference to your teeth or your eyeballs you know i've never heard of a case of the spiritual healing of somebody's teeth so in rather a similar way there would be a certain emotional you know emotional habits that you have um that will practically be unchangeable and they settle in as you get older and you have to live with them um they're just like you um they're just like you having to live with the color of your hair or whether you've got a funny shaped mouth or something like that uh it's all you know it, it all goes along its pattern of um that you're in for the time being and will live out for but a lot of people go around judging other people and say, well, they think they've had some wonderful experience, but they are, they are still sick in the same way as if that was um, reprehensible. Or they still lose their tempers a bit. Uh, you know, if one, <clears throat> if one expects all these things to change emotional, you know, habits. Emotion, like if they expect all these things to change, Emotional habits poof like that. You know, one must get rid of that kind of beaver protestantism. So, but but you know what does happen is although you have fears, you know, anxiety basically in the face of life and death, never nevertheless you can get to the point where deep is like having a deep center. Which isn't anxious, and above all, isn't anxious about being anxious. You know, you say, okay, so I got anxious, and somehow you can tolerate it. You can stand the tension. Did I say the tension? No, I meant tension. You can stand the tension, my bad. And it's one of the most, like, fascinating things to learn to, uh, you know, to hold tension. And not to, uh, you know, when you get into a problem, not go rushing off to solve it immediately. Because, you know, most problems, when solved in a rush, are solved in the wrong way. Especially emotional problems between people. You have to, like, stand, for example, not being... Not being light, which is, you know, is, is a terribly difficult thing for Americans. But what I've said here, um, I think, about space and about rebirth... And so on, you will notice one thing about it all, you know. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, nothing that I've said or, you know, understanding anything that I've said doesn't require any kind of what I, you know, what I would call special knowledge. It's all out in front of you. It doesn't require meditation, exercises, or LSD or anything. Uh, it's, it's all out in the open. And... The only real essential meditation exercise is stop thinking. And being able to perceive without conceptualizing is what you're looking at. And that's the inner interior silence without which um, there's always nothing to think about or talk about except thinking and talking. So let's have a intermission. Just stop thinking. Stop thinking. Just focus on the five senses that you were born with. Notice how the five senses don't include thought, don't include 
any thought of the brain. It's just the senses that you were born with. And the brain gives out these senses. But it should not be permitted to think as well. You're giving it more stress by making it do two things at once. Thinking too much. And committing to these senses. So cut one off. Focus on your senses. Don't think. Thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry for lying to you last episode, but I just still had a lot of shit to say. So appreciate all my listeners. Um, I just hope I could have a group of people that will understand my point of view of things. Thank you. Um, enjoy the rest of your your night or morning or midday.